Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium, and here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. Today, I have Jacqueline Clare on the show. Jacqueline was born and raised in San Antonio, Texas, and spent 10 precious years in Austin. She also lived in New Orleans and Shreveport, Louisiana, Asheville, North Carolina, rural Florida, and Tennessee, as well as Simi Valley, a suburb outside of Los Angeles. These experiences have been an inspiration for her work. Jacqueline explores how art can elevate, transcend, and evolve into the things we want it to be, while also being inclusive, welcoming, and participatory. So I'm super excited to welcome you, Jacqueline, to the show today because we haven't really explored art as a spiritual practice. So can you speak a little bit to to how you work with art in that way? A few things to talk about before we get started with today's episode. If you have not subscribed to my newsletter yet, I have some exciting things coming out in the next weeks, months, unclear how long it's going to take me to get it together, but there will be some stuff coming out and I don't want you to miss it. So head on over to dramyrobbins.com and subscribe to my newsletter. And I also wanted to tell everybody about an amazing opportunity with IANS. IANS is the International Association for near-death studies, and their 2020 conference is online. This year's theme is Unlocking the Healing Wisdom of NDEs, and the program is packed to the brim with fantastic speakers and experts to guide newcomers and seasoned experiencers alike through the mysterious worlds of near-death experiences, spirits, and the afterlife. This conference, again, is online via Zoom, August 14th to 16th, and you can visit IANS.org for more info. That is I-A-N-D-S. And many of the speakers who have been on this show in the past are also members of IANS. It's an amazing organization that really promotes the work, so much of the work that I'm doing on this show in terms of bringing to light many people's spiritual experiences and spiritually transformative experiences. So head on over and check that out. And now to today's show. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for having me. I'm excited to have this exploration also. Thank you. So I call my artwork, and it's sort of a play on work and sort of words that sort of defines um, the, the actual genre and the way it looks aesthetically, but also what I'm about and what it's about when I talk to audiences about it and engage them in conversation. And that is spiritual realism. The finished piece of art, um, my work blends abstract expressionist elements with realism. So, you know, there's always something that you can recognize from this material world, you know, a, a, a landscape, an animal, the moon shows up a lot, something that is basically material. And then those abstract qualities to me, and what I hope it evokes in others, represents those unseen spiritual forces or spiritual dimensions that are also part of our experience here in this life, but that we don't usually see with our naked eye. But in in the paintings, I'm sort of blending both in a single image. And then as far as that sort of also being a play on words, spiritual realism 
two things. One, I do like to engage my audiences in spiritual conversations, like have the artwork sort of be a starting place or a bouncing off place or a place to go deeper into spiritual concepts through conversation. And I think being very authentic and real about those conversations, you know, because it's actually really, really hard to strive and aim for your highest ideals about the kind of person you want to be or how you want to live. Like that's a very humbling journey. And I think talking about spirituality in a real way is really important for helping us get there. Um, So we don't create a disconnect between who we want to be and who we really are, you know? Mm -hmm. And then also I believe personally, and it's also part of my faith tradition as a Baha'i, that in fact, those spiritual qualities, our character, our virtues, all of these sort of more invisible aspects of life actually are the real life. And this material life is, is the illusion. And, and it's one um, that can facilitate our growth. You know, I don't think we should neglect, you know, eating and working and all that stuff. But that ultimately, that isn't the real part. The spiritual is the real part, you know? So it's so your artwork holds both of those pieces. Mm-hmm. How do you feel like that comes through you when you're working? Oh, that's an awesome question. Well, I feel that creating art is very much a spiritual practice, and it's very much a template, a training ground for life and the spiritual path in general. So like what I mean by that in my particular case is that my process is not at all like transcendent, you know, like when I work in the studio, I'm, I'm rarely in like a cloud nine kind of place. Like I'm pretty, I'm pretty focused. I get tired. Like I, I work hard on my work. I get frustrated and also my, my modus operandi is to let the work itself guide me as to where it wants to go. And by the time I finish something, and sometimes it takes a very long time, I arrive at a place that is very surprising to me, the person who made it, And I see how all of those steps where I was like frustrated and wrestling with it, but then also trying to surrender and serve it and go with it actually lead me to this very transcendent place, like where the work that I created absolutely doesn't belong to me and was totally guided. And I feel like that's how most of our lives are, you know, we're constantly sort of wrestling with, you know, the reality of this moment. And then often we find that those like most challenging periods of our lives were where we grew the most and where we ended up somewhere really beautiful and cool. You know, the work you asked, like how it represents both elements. And, you know, part of it is just like an aesthetic attraction on on my part. I, I like to create surprise with abstract qualities. And then I also love this life and I love the moon and I love animals and trees. It's an appreciation of beauty. So I would like to think it is rather unselfconsciously created just by what I personally am attracted to 
and then what the work itself guides me to to add or take away or create. So the the experience of sort of being really human in the artwork is very much there. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of that when you step away from it and look at it is sort of when you're really kind of hit with how spiritual that experience was for you or mm-hmm. as you kind of reflect back on on what that painting was or meant or how you got there. That's where kind of the maybe the more spiritual piece comes in, would you say? Yeah, totally. And and how it trains me. Like it does, I think it's great for people to engage in making art, whether or not they want to, you know, sell it or pursue it in any sort of, you know, um, extroverted way. Because I, like, it's, I mean, it has those elements of meditation, not, like I said, that it's, you know, cloud 90. But when I am in struggles in life now that I have an art practice, I have more of a tangible memory of like, oh yeah, I've felt this feeling of frustration before. I've wondered how I was ever going to get out of this mess or whatever. And I have like tangible proof in my artwork that I can feel these feelings and I can move forward and it's going to work out and be something beautiful, you know? Mm-hmm. So what if, like, for me, I don't really find that I can express myself through art very mm-hmm. well? What would that, And but I know that there are areas that within art, you know, there's art therapy, there's ways that are really, really therapeutic for people. So what do you say to someone who feels like what I would produce would be, I, I don't even know what, it would probably be quite childlike, frankly. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do people deal with that? Yeah. Well, I have several answers to that. One would be, you know, is there some other form of creativity that you are attracted to and maybe start there. And, and I think creativity takes a wide range. You know, there's, there's cooking, there's gardening, there's, you know, there's many, many ways to express creativity. I do teach art lessons. I do work with people in that way. And that's why I integrate these abstract expressionist elements because it doesn't have the pressure of, you know, purposely trying to draw a cat and make it look realistic. We're playing with colors and paints and just like learning music, which I am not very good at, but I, I've seen the sound <laughs> of music. I know that there are basic uh, rules and structures that you can learn that make it easier for you to create music that sounds good. And similarly in art, there's very simple rules about like colors and balance that can help you. And And, uh, you know, there's simple things to learn that don't require, like, talent. And um, I really like to build in surprise in my process. So, like, I use a lot of techniques to get me going. Um, You know, things like using masking tape to tape off certain parts that I've painted and then painting over it. And then I remove the masking tape and I have these two layers sort of communicating with each other, what was underneath and now it's on top. So... You know, I like to take it to unexpected places, and I think that really helps. It helps people who have no experience uh, with making art to be like, oh, that looks cool, you know? Mm-hmm. And childlike in art is not a bad thing. I mean, 
you know, there's naive art, there's modern art, so many things that uh, children actually do pretty, pretty easily. And, you know, my last answer to you is also, like I said, I'm not a great musician. And unless that's a call in my heart to really like, no, I'm going to master this. And probably, you know, I would not be able to compete with someone who's a virtuoso. But I mean, if I really dedicated myself to it, I probably could be competent. But I could also just buy, you know, download songs from someone that I really admire. And I can go to a concert and hear beautiful live music. So I think there's a relationship that is also spiritual between an artist and those who enjoy and appreciate their work. You know, you can look at a painting and and experience that same energy of sort of back and forth that the artist went through to make it and like let that empower your spirit. Can you speak a little bit more to that, mm-hmm. to the, I can relate, I can, I can get on board with, yeah. with looking at the yeah. artwork, but speaking to the relationship of the spiritual journey that a piece of artwork can take you to and how you can, how you can connect with it in that way, even if you don't know the artist or you just kind of stumble upon it wherever, you know, whether it's an art museum or a gallery or just hanging in an office building or I think it's anywhere. Really, really important. I I don't have like proof necessarily, but I do think that anything that is handmade, whether it's a you know ceramic teacup or a painting um, or you know a woven fabric, like there is an element of humanity and spirit in anything that is handmade. Um, and we could probably extend this to photography and, and other things that, you know, had the human spirit connected to it. And, you know, s- nowadays, at least in the Western world, like so little of our material objects are really handmade. And um, as my little six-year-old said to me the other day, mom, why is so much of this stuff made in China? <laughs> yeah, often by machines. And, mm-hmm. and, and there's an expediency to that and there's an affordability to that. Um, but I do, we aren't made by machines and we are not mass produced like as humans. And I think to have things around us that reflect our uniqueness and imperfection and that sort of thing, like it's, it's a really a matter of resonance. Like what is our spirit resonating with as far as our physical surroundings? And I think that most, you know, most handmade things, most works of art, there was some of that, that struggle or dance, like I talked about, you know, where there's, you know, someone struggling to, in their human humble way, become somewhat of a, a channel for those unseen spiritual forces that can guide a work of art, whether they're, um, you know, spiritual or not. There's this dance between the ideal that we're seeking to create and, and our humble little hands doing it. And I think that there's no way that that struggle and, and that ultimate triumph, if you're finally looking at it, they did it, you know? But mm-hmm. that energy is part of the work itself. And that if, you know, you don't have to be sophisticated, you don't have to understand 
art history or archaeology or anything, to be able to just take a breath and just allow your heart to be open and just like allow it to affect you and resonate with you. Well, and I think to think about it in that way really frees one up to not feel like I have to know what the meaning behind this is or the different types of art that mm-hmm. this represents, but that you can just be connected to it almost as if you're connecting energetically with the person who created it. Absolutely. I think 100%. I think we've done a great disservice by, you know, kind of putting velvet ropes around art. I, I, I appreciate that, you know, in museums and that sort of thing, that art is uh, respected. Um, and that's maybe what the velvet ropes represent. But I, I do think we've like created this, some element of sort of haughtiness around it that you have to be somehow sophisticated to understand it, um, which is, it's almost like, you know, in my faith, there's no clergy. You know, historically, once upon a time, very few people could could read holy books for themselves. And that's why, you know, um, but there's, it's almost like a a clergy type thing where it's like, oh, you, you know, you can't understand this. You have to let, you know, people who are more sophisticated explain it to you. And it's like, no, everyone's heart is receptive to spiritual understanding or to art, you know? So can you talk a little bit about how you awaken, you have a a Mm -hmm. course or Mm -hmm. it's called Awaken to Your Spiritual Journey, Mm -hmm. um, Awaken to Your Life Through Your Spiritual Journey. And it uses art and storytelling. So how did you come to this and what does it do for people and how does it work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So this started as a live event in the fall. I'll be launching an online version of it, but I love, I love doing it in person and I have a background in acting. Um, That was my first creative love. And um, so I have a lot of experience with speaking and being in front of people and that sort of thing. And one of my first art shows, I was, I wanted to create this sense of warmth and inclusivity with my audience that it wasn't just, you know, people sort of awkwardly trying to, you know, say something sophisticated as they look at a, you know, painting. I wanted to be like, let's just drop all that and let's, you know, come together and to help facilitate that, um, I shared the story, the personal story behind these specific paintings in the show. There were seven paintings and they had been created during a really challenging period in my life. And I tied that personal story in with this mystical Baha'i text called The Seven Valleys, which is uh, exploration of different stages of spiritual growth that a soul goes through. And it was very um, fortuitous. It wasn't something I had plotted out ahead of time, but through, you know, I had this difficult period of my life. I ended up creating seven mystical landscapes. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this goes so well with the seven valleys. So that was the order. I didn't do it intentionally. So, so I had this art show where I told my personal story and then I connected it with this larger idea of just the spiritual seekers 
journey through life and growth, use the artwork as a basis for conversations. So I, um, there's different elements to the show, but there's an icebreaker that immediately gets people connecting with some quotes with each other and with the artwork. So they basically are given half a quote and they're invited to like mingle and find their other half. And they're not expected to know the quotes ahead of time. They're just, it's you know, like figured out like what quote here makes sense. So it was just a way to even the social playing field. Like now everyone's in the same boat, whether you knew anyone or not, when you got here, you get to talk to different people um, and you might be paired with someone who is a different age or a different, you know, color, whatever. Like it's a really cool way to just mix the pot. And then, um, and then to interact with the artwork in a really creative way. It isn't, oh, I see this very sophisticated technique she used. It was like, oh, this quote talks about like our hearts burning with loving kindness. Like, hmm, this painting here with like all the red in it makes me think of this quote. Like it's a very creative way to just correlate. So then through the storytelling, then we go through each individual valley and the participants are invited to share like what painting they correlated and why if they want to. So it's just a way to like use art as a door. Like we instead of just looking at it, we open this door and walk through together and have an exploration. And the artwork really helps people think really creatively about spiritual topics. So what kinds of topics get addressed in something like that? Yeah, I mean, it, it can go anywhere. It can really, I mean, I've had people, you know, quote, uh, Leonard Cohen, you know, I mean, like, we can go all over the place. Um, the seven valleys themselves, you know, it, it's, um, it's, so this mystical text is in response to a Sufi tradition that has very similar concepts. Uh, so it's like a, a next step uh, from that mystical Sufi text. But it has a lot of correlation with um, Buddhist concepts and other spiritual traditions. And it's, um, you know, we talk about the process of search of the reality of pain and love and knowledge and you know non-duality and non-linear existence and contentment we talk about dreams and like the fact that we dream at nighttime like is that evidence of a soul like does that reveal something about us um, that we can't deny and then ultimately reaching a place of sort of dying before we die, you know, like living, being submerged in like a spiritual reality rather than a material reality. So like mm -hmm. those are some of the concepts um, from the storytelling. Um, but whatever it sparks in the audience, it's, it's always different and it's very audience centered. So a lot of uh, tangential things may be brought up or personal experiences or association. When people come to one of these, do they know what they're getting into? <laughs> do they think they're going to like an art event and then suddenly they're 
exposing themselves uh-huh. or sharing parts of themselves or, or feeling really deeply, you know, which I think is, can be really hard. You know, I yeah. think art can be, can really open you up in that way, especially when you're providing a platform like this to, to do such a thing. Right. Right. Well, I definitely try to be really transparent about what the event is and that there's this, uh, you know, there's going to be a talk um, exploring life as a spiritual journey um, and that it's interactive. So I do try to, to um, bring those things up and that uh, there's, you know, it's based on a Baha'i book and that sort of thing. Um, but because it is so unique, I mean, it's very, I'm not like emulating a model that I've seen anywhere else. It's just sort of something that, you know, has, I've created. So my experience has been, it's very difficult to describe. And then once people attend, it's, overwhelmingly a positive experience and it's like oh okay I get it now you know like um so the answer is kind of yes and no um I definitely don't want to trick anyone to like having a spiritual conversation if they don't want to or revealing anything Mm -hmm. they don't want to but I do try to convey that this isn't gonna be your typical art show well and I feel like as much as for some it might be overwhelming as they talk about this stuff for some it's probably also disarming right Mm -hmm. because you don't feel like you have to know art in order to be a part of this conversation which i think for some for a lot of people feels like if you're entering an art space you better have something profound to say about the work otherwise you're just going to kind of fade into the to the walls right and similar with spirituality too you don't have to be really you know read every book and know about every you know and that is the most rewarding and beautiful thing about this i am always astounded by what even the most you know shy people end up sharing and saying and and not necessarily like revealing something of their personal history but like a Mm -hmm. an insight that they have it's really it it really shows that when the you know very minimally the right circumstances are created and there is a spirit of encouragement and welcoming that you know we all have these gems inside of us just just waiting to be shared when it feels safe and appropriate so interesting if people want to know where you are doing this can you tell them how they can find you and sounds like it will be probably around when this airs that you might be okay, cool. getting ready to do some courses. Yeah, so. absolutely. So I am Jacqueline Clare. Everything is spelled traditionally with ease at the end and um, American traditional Jacqueline Clare art. And so, you know, my website has information and email sign up. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. So um, I'm pretty good about sharing, you know, all of what's happening. Um, so if people will find me JacquelineClaireArt.com or any of those platforms, they'll be in the loop. And you're going to be doing, are you going to, is the hope to go back to live oh, yeah. when we go back to life? Yes. Yes. When, when we can get together and safe to mingle and all that stuff. Yeah. I, um, yeah. 2020 man, aren't we all just like re, you know, redirecting. Recalibrating. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, life is what happens when you're making other plans. That was that was my lesson because I was 
planning lots of tours and stuff this year. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how things open up. Well, thank you so much, Jacqueline, for your time and insights and, and a different way to look at art and spirituality. So I really appreciated yeah. this conversation today. And I think it will even help me who's sometimes intimidated in those settings because I feel like I don't know anything about art. And so I am that person that just sort of backs up. So hopefully no one asks me anything and I won't feel frankly stupid about what I'm saying that this does give an opportunity and opens that up. Absolutely. Yes. You have a heart and you have instincts and that's all that matters. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Wondering what comes next and what it all means? Head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. Stay tuned as we continue to explore life, death, and the space between. <laughs>